This event was recorded live at the 2019 Edinburgh International Book Festival, a 17-day celebration of words and stories welcoming authors and audiences from around the globe. You can hear more events by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Acast, and watch event videos at edbookfest.co.uk and on YouTube at edbookfest. Thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone, for coming along. Um, first of all, um, the Edinburgh Book Festival welcomes you. Why I've got my phone out is to remind me and to remind you all, if you could possibly either turn your phones off or put them on silent, that would be the, the handiest thing. It's uh, just a little bit of respect for our authors. We like to have that happening. Um, I'm glad you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had it on TV when it's been going <laughs> off in my pocket. Um, yeah, thanks for coming along. Um, I nearly made the worst schoolboy error. Imagine, I'm trying to have a wee look around here if I can see any certain strips of any clubs. <laughs> I, was, I was doing uh, Manchester City today, uh, down at West Ham. And I just dressed as I would, and I got off the plane, and I was in a taxi rushing in here, it was late. And I looked down at my green T-shirt and thought, nah, it's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so I changed it quickly. Uh, so this is my Chelsea-type T-shirt. Um, so we're here um, to chat about um, Mark and his career, um, and specifically his book, Brilliant, <coughs> uh, which I'm a wee bit annoyed about, because I wanted that title, and he's stolen it off me. Um, there's another couple of things that you need to know about. There's a thing going on with the lightning. Have you been told about this yet? No. So if there's three strikes of lightning within a certain period and a certain space of time, it will power down. We're happy to keep on going in the darkness with a phone light, okay? You it's speak for yourself, pal. I'll, <laughs> I'll be on my toes, don't worry about that. <laughs> Leg it. Um, but yeah, so we'll, what we'll do is we'll get into the discussion very quickly. We won't get through everything I want to talk about and what Mark would like to talk about in the book. We'll talk for 25, 30 minutes and then an opportunity for yourselves to ask any questions. Um, there is a... Uh, a microphone, we've got a microphone, we've got a microphone around there, so when we finally get around to the questions yourselves, think about them, obviously, uh, when Mark's ch chatting, and um, put your hand up at that time, and wait till the microphone comes to you. Okay, so uh, without further ado, can I welcome Mark Walters. Thank you. Thanks, Pat. So great to be here. Uh, great to be in Edinburgh. I've never been to the festival before, but it's a, it's a, great, it's a great weekend, isn't well, it? Well, that was my first question. Is it good to be back up? Because you had a good time here, didn't you? Yeah, I love, I love coming back to uh, Glasgow, Edinburgh, wherever, you know, uh, the Rangers fans were fantastic to me. And uh, I've always enjoyed coming up. Unfortunately, the last few years I haven't been up as much as I used to come up, but uh -huh. I love, love coming up here, yeah. Yeah, I think you're going to enjoy it more after the festival. That is a very special thing. Um, mm. We're going to have to get right into the questions right away. Um, uh, quickly, mm. early days, Villa, an mm. amazing start. But before you got there, a lot of things happened. Mm. And I'm going to try you on a few things here. You played youth for England, didn't you? Yeah. Around about that England time. School, England schoolboys, yeah. Did yeah. you ever play for the under-18s or the under-21s England team? Can you remember that? Of course, yes, yes. Yeah. Did, you play that old, <laughs> Did you play at Ibrox? So he's got not much of a memory, because it wasn't in the book. I don't remember playing at Ibrox as a child. Because the funny thing is, we actually played against you. Scotland played against England, and it was 1-1. Was that not at um, Coventry City's ground? Yes, and that was the second leg. Okay. So, um, and that was, we'd been told at that time, so I was, you know, a young player coming through, we're very similar ages. Um, 
they, they had this phenomenal star coming through, and it was marked. And we had all these complicated things to stop him. And we walked out and got ready for the game at Ibrox, and he wasn't there. That's why I don't remember the game. Yeah. <laughs> that was good I <laughs> But he did play in the second game. Um, but it was quite obvious from a quite an early age that you were going... There's a lot about your early life. Mm. It was quite an obvious from an early age, A, you were going to make it, and B, you were going to be special. But did you always believe that? Um, I'll be honest with you, no. Because um, my first job that I uh, was going to be given, if you like, was uh, all my brothers were mechanics, believe it or not. Mm. So uh, my mother had, uh, like my older brothers, a mechanic job waiting for me if mm -hmm. the worst happened and I didn't get signed up for Aston Villa. So um, although I was hoping that I'd, I wouldn't have to be a mechanic, because I don't know if you saw my, see my hands, it's just not meant yeah. to be underneath, an, Very uh, soft. Under, <laughs> underneath a car engine. So um, it, was just a, it was just a hope and a, a dream that I would, uh, wouldn't have to be a mechanic and that I could become a professional footballer. But you've got to remember, in my area, there was, there was a lot, a lot of uh, competition. Mm -hmm. And uh, although I was hopeful, I just, you just never know. You never know. Well, because you, were, you grew up as a Villa fan. Yeah. I mean, almost right outside the ground for a part of your life as well as you grew up. That'll be Absol one. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm very scared of lightning and thunder, by the way. Just going to get that. <laughs> fireworks. It's the fireworks in That's the what festival. Oh, yeah, it's the two. You're right. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. That's what I wanted to hear. You've, you've, assured, you've made me assured already. No, um, yeah, I mean, it was always a dream. I mean, as a, as a child of seven, six, seven, eight, uh, I used to go with my mates. We used to go to the ground because it's only like one kilometre from where I lived, mm -hmm. the, the stadium. So we used to sneak underneath the, uh, the turntiles as I had at the time uh, or wait till half time when they opened the mm -hmm. gates and sneak in and watch the, watch the games. So I was always a fan of, uh, of the club. And um, it was a dream come true to be not only watching these players, but changing next to them in the end. So it was a, it was a brilliant experience for me. Now, yeah. now, for anyone who actually doesn't know, I mean, that period of time for Villa could arguably be the greatest time in the club's history. Oh, without a doubt. My first, at 16, the club won the league, or the Premier League as it's now, is now the first division. And then my second year, when I, I made my debut, won the Champions League. I made my debut that year, but unfortunately, at 17... They, uh, they said to me, don't worry, Mark, your time will come again. And even at 17, I knew they were talking BS. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just a case of, uh, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing to be able to go and play in a Champions League final. And um, at 17, I got swept aside and, uh, mm -hmm. and unfortunately wasn't even in the, in the squad that went to um, Rotterdam. Mm -hmm. I went to a youth tournament in Germany and we watched the game in a canteen while we were playing the, uh, the tournament. So... I was very, very disappointed because I, I knew even at 17 these things don't come around very often. So that was a, one of my first biggest disappointments. Did you end up playing with the Super Cup a thing then after yeah, that? Yeah, Super Cup, I was involved in that, all that, that league campaign. And, um, so you've got to remember now, the first year the club win the first, first division. The second year we win the Super Cup, uh, the Champions League rather. And then the third year we won the, um, the Super Cup. Uh -huh. So I'm thinking this professional football larks a load of, you know, a piece of uh, proverbial. You know what I mean? <laughs> But it was, uh, I later found out, whilst at Villa, that uh, a professional footballer's career isn't as, as smooth as that. Uh, it's a strange thing. You do, I, mean, I had a very similar thing. I'd, I was up here playing for Clyde. I was player of the year and young player of the year. Went to Chelsea. We won the league, got promotion. Everything's going swimmingly. 
and then it stops. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of hard to keep it going, but exactly. hey, it came back for you. That's the big thing. Um, but the time at Villa, I mean, how many years was it that you were at Villa? Uh, well, I joined Villa at the age of 10 years of age. I was mm-hmm. went in training, and so from 10 till 20, 21, 22. Mm-hmm. So a t- good 12 years of my, uh, my life I was there. So it was a fantastic experience watching people like Brian Little, who was my favourite player. And if you remember him. Yeah, yeah, good for, yeah Brian Little was my favourite player. And then um, Peter Withers and Gary Shaw, and then being able to change and get changed next to these players, Gordon Cairns, who not only was oh, a fantastic a player, player, but a fantastic yeah. human being as well, mm-hmm. lovely man. So it was, it was just a dream come true for me. And um, even though I still walked to the, the, the stadium from my, ha- my mother's house, uh, up until I was 17, 18, it was just, just a fantastic experience. So it must have been difficult then, actually moving away. You're still mm. a very young man. Yeah. And you decide to actually leave Villa. I mean, yeah, that, that's kind of hard for an outsider. If you're a foot, I'm sure we've got a lot of football fans in here. You play for the club you love, mm. and then you leave. The fans go, what? Yeah. It's a funny thing you say, because um, the chairman at the time didn't think I would uh, leave um, Doug Ellis. In fact... He told, the, he told the secretary that. Mm-hmm. He said, don't worry about Mark. I'm going to offer him a, a, a less money to sign, <laughs> which is typical of Doug, God rest his soul. Uh, he's gonna, I'm going to offer him less money to sign because he won't leave. And um, I, just knew that, I just knew not only was the, um, the club on a bit of a downward spiral a little bit, yeah. but I just knew that uh, to, to, to get to where I was in the beginning where uh, going for Champions League games and winning leagues, I had to leave because the Villa, uh, we wasn't signing good players. We just, basically, the team that was in the youth team, which I was part of, yeah. was went into the first team. So they weren't prepared to spend money and get the best players around. So that's when I knew it was time to leave. And uh, fortunately, I waited mm-hmm. and um, waited for, for you know, the so famous Glasgow Rangers to come in. It's and get never me. as simple as this, is it? Oh, Rangers came in and I went to Rangers. Mm. Because another club came in for you before that. There was a, t- a possibility of another team. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, how close a, did you come? I was very close to uh, signing, not only for the team you're talk- thinking about, but uh, Watford as well. Yeah. They, uh, they wanted me to sign. There was a chance of me uh, maybe going to Spurs as well, mm-hmm. at the time as well. Uh, but once I went up to Glasgow and um, met Graham Souness, um, there's only one, one team. But you, were, you weren't impressed with Colin Harvey Everton. I thought you might have been because he's a lovely guy. Oh yeah, I was a bigger part, and yeah, I was impressed with Colin Harvey. But um, as I said, once you go to uh, Glasgow Rangers and you, you open those uh, doors, those yeah. doors, and you, you go those marble stairs, and you, you see the history there. And as it's, as you know, as you know, yeah, more than anyway, Everton's a fantastic club, yeah. but um, there's very few compared to Glasgow Rangers. Try and surprise Mark with something here. Uh, I'd been at Chelsea for five years, and I had spent a lot of time um, fighting the, get, the good fight, uh, the anti, anti-racism stuff that was real. The racism was terrible in English football, and we're going to go on to that in a moment. That's why I break in here. But I left Everton, I left Chelsea, and Everton came in, and I had one problem. I said, I noticed that Everton have never had a black player. Is there a problem here? Is there a racism here? I've heard hints about it. And they said, nah, no chance of that. You're second choice. We tried to get Mark Waters. <laughs> <laughs> that was me put down in my place. Um, but I wasn't offended by it because I knew how we'd played against each other and I knew how good a, a player Mark was. So you've come up to Rangers at this point in time. Yeah. And it was, it was astonishing because you had all the big stars come up. Terry Butcher, 
my cousin, Terry Butcher. Is he really? Would you believe it? <laughs> so my cousin, Terry Butcher, was there. But Sue, as you talk as well. Yeah. Um, that must have made you think, wait a minute, European football, mm. winning leagues. Maybe that as much as the marble staircase, surely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you've got to remember English, English football, we were out of Europe at the time. Oh, I remember and, it. <laughs> yeah, we were out of Europe at the time. So it was a case of, that was one of the, uh, the, the shining lights of me coming up and playing for Glasgow Rangers was the fact that I was going to be playing in Europe again. Um, you know, when I was at Villa, we played, you know, uh, Juventus. Um, one of my biggest loves was playing against Michel Platini, mm -hmm. who was, I think, European player of the year at the time, and all these great players we were playing against. So I knew that was going to be happen again if I came up to, to, to Glasgow and played for Rangers. So that was a fantastic calling. What was nice of Graham Sooners, because he's like this, he's, he's, a, he's a sweet, quiet soul. He's a, he's a nice guy, you know. <laughs> he, he wouldn't say boo to a goose. He gave you an easy start, didn't he? First game. He did, yes. He yeah, said, who was that? Um, some team come with Celtic, I think. Yeah, some I team that. Celtic. <laughs> yeah, he says, uh, there's no point, there's no point uh, paying all that money for you to sit on the bench, Mark. You might as well go straight in. Um, little did he know, what, once he named the team, I had to go to the toilet. And um, I, I was actually sick. That's, that's no lie, actually. I was actually <laughs> sick with nerves. I was actually sick in the toilet. And uh, I had to change my shorts a couple of times as well. <laughs> that's how scared I was. So uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a funny, funny time, as in the lads were all... all, all a lot of banter, as you can imagine, footballers, yeah, yeah. you know, don't worry, Mark, it's a small game. There's only 60,000 people there watching you. Was it Ibrox or Celtic Park? It was a Celtic Park, yeah. Oh, that's even worse. It was even worse, it was. Yes. So, so it, was a, it was a difficult game, as in, uh, it was a lot of pressure on it, and unfortunately, we lost the game as well, which was uh, worse. But all the lads were really, really disappointed after the game and all depressed. But I was, I couldn't believe I was there. I was so chuffed, you know, mm. uh, that I was actually playing for Glasgow Rangers. And although we lost, and the lads were sick for losing, but I was just pleased to be there, and uh, it was a great evening for yeah, me. Yeah, uh, there was a the bit in the book. I mean, there's great stories about certain games. It's not all games. There's lots more in it, which we'll get into about Mark's life, which is a very interesting story. Um, but Durante came up to you at one point in the game and yeah. shouting. was shouting at you? Yeah, um, I think the ball came to me. And I just say, uh, 60,000 people here, I'm nervous as, as you can believe. And I've just got the ball, and I've just smashed it as far forward <laughs> as I could. And I can't, I can't swear any really, I won't swear anyway, but Durante says, for Mark, for F's sake, calm down. Yeah. And uh, I said, yeah, 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 sorry, sorry, Durante. And I've started playing shorter passes and just got myself into the game. And although we lost, as I said, it was a great experience, um, playing in a massive atmosphere. Great, great players are playing with and against, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So it was really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, we kind of have to talk about it. Um, there was racist abuse. Maybe even in that first game at Celtic yeah, Park? Yeah, that's to say the least, yeah. yeah. But um, uh, to be honest with you, um, I was, once I was used to it, no one can be used to someone abusing you, I suppose. But I, I, I had it in England as well. Uh, I suppose the difference was, in England, there was maybe three or four other black players on the pitch. Obviously, in Glasgow, I was the only one on the pitch. So there was no doubt who they were talking about, you know what I mean? <laughs> so that was a big difference. But I was so adamant and... Uh, resolute that I was going to get yeah. through it yeah. because I, I mean all I wanted to do is play football anyway and all I wanted to do is play for the best clubs I could play for and uh, there's no one was going to stop me doing that so admittedly it wasn't nice but I got on with it and I just uh, played through with it and with the help of the, the players in my team who were fantastic and the supporters obviously as well I got through it. There's a great line in the book um, I could go and look it up I just about remember it perfectly 
And it's after the, the game, the police commander said, it was a very good game. There were some fans a little bit boisterous towards new player Mark Walters, but there were only 25 arrests, so it was fine. <laughs> you think the standards is, I mean, happily will become less accepted. I was talking to someone today about you. Mm. I suspect an old friend of yours down at uh, in the London Stadium, the West Ham game, Paul Parker. Paul Parker, and, yes. Uh, well. He was England international. And he said, it, and said I wrote it down somewhere, and it was a, a game, Millwall youth team game. Yes, and yes. he said the abuse there was absolutely horrendous. Did that help? to make you, in, not in your, to be able to cope with it to some degree that you'd always had it all the way through? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I would have been 15 at the time. I remember the game well. And um, it's probably one of the biggest crowds I've played in front of maybe 10, 10 to 15,000 mm -hmm. people there. And I remember coming out to the, the, um, the tunnel even, and I was getting so much <laughs> stick. I nearly turned back, and I said, bad it was. But I was like, as I said, there's no way anyone's going to stop me playing. And... I, and via somebody actually literally getting on the pitch and dragging me off, I was going to put up with it. And uh, luckily, that was my mentality. I'm not going to lie, there was a few friends I had who weren't prepared to put up with that and wouldn't play, and unfortunately, we lost to the game. But um, it's, it's the way I've been brought up. You know, My mother always, always told me, you know, you've, you've, got to, you've, you've got to put up with it. You've got to get on. You've got to be twice as good as anybody else. And uh, that's the, my mentality at that age. And luckily, it's, it, it was a good stead. It stead me through. There's plenty in, in the book, and I won't go on about it too much, but certainly worth reading Mark's thoughts and what he had to go through. Um, there was a lot of players. I was at Chelsea at the time, and Paul Canneville, a great yeah. friend of mine, and I'm sure a good friend of yours as well, was going through extraordinary stuff down at Chelsea as well. But, you know, hey, we're not there yet, but we're keeping on fighting the good fight. Um, that dressing room, though, you mentioned mm. your auntie. Mm. I'll tell you a quick story about my memories. I, put, I was playing for Scotland around about this time, and it was... Lots of players from different teams, but there's a lot of Celtic players and a lot of Rangers players, right? And with my background, I'd probably expected to hang about with the Celtic players. But you walk on the coach, and there'd be the Celtic players sitting there, and they're, they're lovely. There's Paul McStay and John Collins and Tam Boyd, and they're sitting there nice and quiet, like choir boys. Hmm. The Rangers lads are up the back, and they're going mental. <laughs> they're all partying, and they're all laughing, they're all throwing things at each other. This, the size of personalities of that group with Coisty, yeah, yeah. with Durante, with all those other people, mm. that, I don't think I've ever been addressing that sounds as lively as that one. Absolutely not. Uh, the camaraderie we had at Rangers was, was unbelievable. As I said, I've never experienced it before, even, though, even when we were successful at Aston Villa. Mm. Um, although I was a young boy at Aston Villa, there was little clicks, either, particularly when we spiralled down, you know. Uh, wives would get involved, we'd you know, talking about that player and that wife would say, oh, he was out there the night and all these things. Yeah. And Don't name any names, but was Sean Taylor at the club? <laughs> <laughs> End joke. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. No, he wasn't actually, but I, I know I've heard something. <laughs> well, I'm not going to mention about Sean, but yeah, but that was, that's what happens with clubs who aren't doing well, in, invariably, in my opinion. Yeah. Go to Rangers now. Honestly, we actually did everything together. In fact, some things we shouldn't have been doing together, we were doing. Yeah, I was searching <laughs> through the book for that stuff. <laughs> but uh, my lawyer kept a quick look at that, so I didn't put anything about, <laughs> it, about the lads. But we were really tight unit, done everything together. If someone was in a fight, we'd all jump in and help him. And as you say, the, the banter off the pitch Why, was where fantastic. Had the, where had that come from? As it, was it the manager? Was it Graham? Was it just the group of people there? Was it that's what Rangers is? I don't know. What I think it was a little bit of everything, really. I, mean, I know Sooness definitely got players who had good personalities and were 
good together. And he, he, I know he definitely, and obviously Walter was a big influence in that as well. But um, people like McCoyst and Durant and mm -hmm. Derek Ferguson, they just had this, um, I, wouldn't, I was going to say be rude there, but they just had this, this real, real funny streak in them oh, banter, yeah. which, I mean, as, as a retired footballer now, there's probably two things I miss most, match day and the banter with football. And, and without a doubt, uh, that was hilarious. Yeah. I mean, it was a pleasure to go into work sometimes. In fact, you, sometimes you, I used to... In fact, I, I, unfortunately, I got divorced. And um, when she said to me, you know, you know you're, just, you're just too interested in football and you don't even know how long we've been married. And I said, yes, yes, I do. Six seasons. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 after that, and after that, I knew we weren't going to last very long, you know. It was an amazing dressing. I'm sure you've heard many stories about that dressing. One of my favourite ones was... Uh, Somebody tell me about McCoisty, and he was playing against Stenhouse Muir. Mm. Suddenly, Stenhouse Muir putting all the players around. Some guy, the centre back for Stenhouse Muir, says, "You go and mark McCoist." And his mate said, "What one's he?" McCoisty <laughs> says he couldn't stand up for about ten minutes. He just <laughs> laughed and laughed and laughed. Humour was as important to him and a lot of them as anything else. But a great, great bunch of guys Absolutely. to hang about. Mm. Um, mm. So, I mean, are there any particular specific memories of getting? Games, number one, good and bad here. Yeah, and I'm kind of edging you for the bad towards Heart of Midlothian, <laughs> because yeah. there was some stuff in the book which was. Now I'm a heavy, and I'm not just trying to abuse Hearts, because I've got a great relationship with Hearts fans myself. Mm. But I understand your anger. Yeah, it was a difficult time. Um, the, the first game, the Celtic game, was uh, was bad enough. But the reason, we, the good thing about that game, I think that's one of the players there. Yeah. <laughs> The good thing about that game, the, the, the pitch is wider. So although I did look behind me and see all these objects been, have been thrown, invariably it was, uh, and they won as well, so invariably it wasn't that bad. But the, the Hearts game was difficult because I could see all the coins coming mm -hmm. and um, trying to dodge them. As in, and uh, unfortunately for me, I, I was on the corners as well. Mm. So I've gone over to take a corner and I'm dodging all these coins and all sorts of... Anyway, I take the corner and as you can imagine... It duffs right into the penalty box, so I'm really, really thinking, oh, sorry, lad, sorry. You know, we've practiced this for, for weeks on end mm -hmm. about the corners, and you, you can't even take a corner. Get into the dressing room at half-time. The lads have gone, for F's sake, we've paid all for that money for you. You can't even take a corner. You were under a bit of pressure. <laughs> I, said, I said, lads, if you try to dodge in, dodge in pennies and coins when you're trying to take a corner, it's difficult. So that was the banter we had. So even though it was a serious, serious situation because... Uh, Alistair Hoodie was a, the security guy at the time, said to me, Mark, Mark, don't worry, this won't carry on. And that gave me a bit of uh, insurance as well. It is quite scary. We, we should have a competition, what we think is the worst place to play. Or not the worst, the hardest. And I have to say, Tynecastle is, is the worst and the best because they're, they're right there, aren't they? Absolutely. Right, right beside you. Here, yeah. and especially if you're a winger. I remember playing against them once. Um, and I ran up the line the first time, Nevin, you're too old. I ignored him. Second time. You were 16 at the time. No. Three, I was more than double that. Next time, run up. Hey, Nevin, you've got a big nose. Next time, hey, Nevin, you're baldy. I'm ignoring everything. Next time, hey, Nevin, your book's shite. No, no, steady on, steady on. Far too far. Far too far. But you can you have a laugh back sometimes, but mm. when it was a racial abuse, it was just totally unacceptable. But it wasn't just that as well. It's the people that are hitting you, because you, you took some serious hits. During, we, I, I see you, we yeah, did, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we did. Now, that we was did. the big thing about it. The game is, 
It's quite different now, isn't it? Very different. The pitches are fantastic now, so your touch is invariably better, whereas in our day, the pitches are bad, so you know you have to look at the, the player, but you have to look at the pitch because invariably it bubbles over your foot if you never, and you can imagine the stick you got from not only your, the, the crowd but your mates. So it was, it was a diff different area, difficult, but um, that's what it was. You had to take it first tackle. You knew you were going get, to get smashed, mm. and uh, you, hopefully you saw it coming as you could avoid it. If you never, you were in a train. Okay, room. then, name names. Is <laughs> <laughs> the there any particular ones? Because we remember well, the ones that we. Of course, yeah. Through, yeah. Tony Adams was the worst. It doesn't matter. Tony I, Adams? Tony Adams, yeah. Ah. Every time I played against Tony, you know the first tackle you're going to get smashed. Um, Stuart Pierce, the same. Mm. Mark Dennis, who's probably the, the maddest and the worst uh, yeah. I've ever come across. I, I was literally scared of Mark Dennis. I don't even come across him. Maybe because of the story I heard about him kidnapping his, his wife and things like that. <laughs> and uh, having a shotgun in, the, a in the, no. shotgun in the booth of his car. That, yeah. that probably was one of the reasons. But as you can imagine, um, that, that's what, that was a, See, the See, I'm beginning to think I'm seeing a wee pattern here. <laughs> because... They're all left-backs, mostly. <laughs> Pierce and yeah, West Ham had a whole bunch of them that you must have played against yep. as well. Yep. Julian Dix and yep. all the rest Julian of them. Yep. And it was Kenny Black up here. He was a left-back yeah, for a period yeah, of time. Black, yeah. I've got this theory. Left-backs are psychos, right? <laughs> and the, re the reason why I had this conversation with John Barnes and Wadler, because yeah. we, we kind of did similar, aren't we? We all yeah. played in the wing through a certain period of time. And they said to me after the end of my career, you had it worse because you played in the right wing against the cycles. All those left-wingers played against sensible people like, <laughs> like, like Gary Stevens and things like that. Mm. So you get away with it because you were mostly on the left, were you not? On, yeah, yeah, mostly on the left, but to be fair, there was no easy game anyway. Someone always smashed you, no matter who it was. So uh, at the end of the day, you just had to get on with Did it. Did you feel it? Did you feel the, the hits? No, no, no. I just, obviously, uh, you, the good thing about playing on a wing, you, you invariably you side on, so you can, you can see it coming more, nine times out of ten, mm. but the ones that you don't see, they're the ones mm. that... Unfortunately, I, I, I could ride a tackle fa fairly well, and I knew when to jump as well, so I was invariably all right. But the worst one was when you're just about pushing in front of you, and you're going to cross the ball, and you knew yeah. that defender was just going to wait till you crossed it, and then over the yeah. top run your ankle. So you can't, well, you can't, can't do anything about bar, bar, bar ankle pads, that, which is what I did. We'll go back on the football in a minute, but I mean, the book, as you'll be happy here, there's no holds barred in a lot of areas. Um, I was quite impressed that you were, you were so strong and honest about your relationship with your dad mm. and your mum. Yeah. Because your relationship yeah. with your mum sounds fantastic, oh, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. She what, was my mother. Yeah, she was my mother and my father, you know. She mm. uh, helped me get through a lot. I mean, uh, it's funny. Um, even I used to get decent pair of boots considering we, we didn't have any money in the house, really. And uh, it was only about 10 years ago. I said to mum, you know, how on earth did you, could you afford all those old boots you used to get? Because I used to get decent pair of boots, mm -hmm. she says, because she worked at the West Midlands Transport. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, I want to tell you the truth, Mark. They were gotten from lost property. <laughs> 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 so there's me thinking I had the best boots in the world, and they're all lo lo from lost property, you know, so. But I didn't know, so I wore them, so I was very, very pleased. Yeah. I, I mean, was, so the, your mum thing, she stuck by mm. you, and she came yeah. to see you a lot of yeah. the time. That's yes. a big thing. I know that my dad, 850 professional games, Mm. My dad probably missed about 20 or 30. Yeah, And yeah. You, your mum was a bit like that. She tried to get to all the games, she, didn't she? Well, she could, I'll be honest with you. She, she couldn't get to him because she was working at the time. So it was only when I worked, played for Aston Villa that they were able to get her to come to some of the games, you know, because she couldn't but afford... You said in the book you felt lonely when there was no one there to see Absolutely, you. yeah, because uh, a lot of the players had their fathers there invariably. And I, I, I had no one there to, uh, to watch me play. Invariably, my, my brothers were playing themselves, so they weren't there. 
So it, it was difficult when um, I was there and I had no parents on the sidelines to cheer me on. Um, and it, it, but it made me a better parent myself because I always, I always thought when my children come along, I would always make sure I go and watch them play, no matter how good or bad they were, which is what I did. So, you know, it's, it's all swings and roundabouts, although he, he wasn't there for me. And it was, it was a strange thing when I found out as a teenager that he was a good football himself. He, he represented Nigeria. And so it was, it was quite ironic that when I needed somebody to help me maybe negotiate schoolboy forms or, you know, he would have been great to be there, but he wasn't there for me. But uh, that's I mean, life. Maybe even worse than that was when you found out where he was living. Yeah, yeah. He, like, lived, um, yeah, he, he lived literally half a mile away, half a mile away, if probably less, probably even less. And um, I always remember coming home from uh, at lunchtime, went, went to the chip shop to get something some to eat, and I saw his car there once, and uh, uh, I asked him, uh, you know, he asked me, what are you doing around here? And I was, you know, I said, what do you mean? I said, what are you doing around here? I said, I'm just going to get some lunch. I'm going back to school now not knowing that he lived on that road, yeah. you know what I mean? So little things like that made me a little bit bitter, to say the least. And it's only when I had my own children, I, I even buried the hatchet, really, because I was, I was, I'm going to lie, I was a bit bitter and twisted but towards him. But you never quite got, well, you never made it up, really, during his No, I never made it up. As I said, when I had my own children, I decided to bury the hatchet, as it were, because my son, who is a spitting image of him, and who has his mannerisms, and he's got light brown eyes, he had light brown eyes, very similar to my son, and... I decided, you know, got, you know I'm a, as a grown man myself who's uh, divorced myself, so I know it's, you know, it's, not just, it's not just one side. I decided to bury the hatchet and try and uh, make it up with him. Unfortunately, yeah. within two or three years, he died, so that wasn't even the case with her. So that's, that's life. But I, I don't regret um, the way I was because, uh, you know, he was out of order. He was out of order, there's no doubt in my mind. Did it affect you as a person? I mean, I, I know it has. Yeah, to yeah. To some degree, because it's in the book. Um, the biggest effect do you think it had on you? Did, 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 did it make you shyer, or did it make you fearful, or did it make you work harder? What biggest effect did it have? Uh, I suppose it, there's some pluses and minuses. The pluses were that I made sure, I made, I made sure, because of my mother's, what well, she, she was my mother and my father, mm -hmm. if you like, I made sure I looked after my mother's first thing I'd done is help to buy her a house and looked after her there. Uh, but also, it made me a better parent. I just, made, I just knew that whatever happened to me, even though, unfortunately, I got divorced from my, my kid's mother, I always made sure I was there for them, turned up to their games, went to the parents' evenings, all these things that he never did. I just made sure I um, mm -hmm. did, if you like. So, although he wasn't good at the time, it made me a better, better parent, I believe, even, even though, unfortunately, the relationship with their mother mm -hmm. wasn't, uh, wasn't correct. Um, there are lots of other you know, very personal stories in there. I'm not going to give them all away. I mean, come and a and buy the book, and which is. I was going to say, don't tell there. him too much. Don't worry, <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry. There's plenty more, plenty more, and it's given an outline of it just now. Which is, I mean, that's a nice thing. Certain football books are a bit like I scored a goal there and I scored a goal there, and uh, we get beat there. <sighs> it can be a wee bit like that for some of us, but you know, you, you've you basically laid it all, all out in the line there. And there is plenty more and stuff about your daughter, which we don't have to yeah. get just now, but yeah. it's there. So it certainly is worth that. Um, I'm looking at Can I ask a quick question, a show of hands, uh, supporters of which clubs we have in here? I might as well start at the top. Any Rangers fans in here? Hands up. <laughs> anybody support anybody else? <laughs> right, we've got a few. Uh, what have, we got? have we got any Swindon fans? Because Swindon was in another club. Was yes. it Swindon straight from Rangers? Uh, uh, no, no, no. 
I've missed Liverpool, but that say. was probably deliberate for many <laughs> The Liverpool That's thing wasn't as seat. happy. Um, no, no. Um, it was, uh, don't get me wrong, it was a, it's a fantastic club, obviously. Great players, they're world-class players at Liverpool. But, um, you know, obviously I went from playing 40, 50 games a season to, to only playing maybe 20, 30 games a season. So I didn't play as much as I wanted, uh, of course. And we didn't win the league as well, which unfortunately still haven't won, although the closest have been last season. So I didn't win the league, didn't play as many games as I'd have, as liked. But the, the actual club itself was fantastic. And I, I don't regret uh, anything or not going there. Uh, you just as, as most footballers, you just a bit of, uh, love to be been more success, really? successful. That's all, really. Uh, There's a strange thing. It, you're probably you're right at the peak of your powers as well. Mm, yeah. It's, and sometimes you go to a club and it doesn't happen. You're not suddenly a bad player. Absolutely. It's just that it doesn't suit. Mm. Others, John Barnes standing in front of exactly, you, which kind of yeah. doesn't help. Because no, quite good go, John yeah, Barnes yeah. as you a footballer. Steve McManaman as well yeah. was there. I mean, there's some great, great players at the club and. Uh, it, it's a, it's, it was, it's a, you know, it was disappointing that I didn't play, but I accept it. I'm a footballer and I was there ready. I still played 120 odd games there, still scored 19 goals, so I obviously assisted as well. So, was, you know, it wasn't all bad and I, I thoroughly enjoyed Made some great friends at Liverpool as well. I mean, the, com the camaraderie was different to Liverpool, uh, but it was still good, you know. Right, I'm, I'm going to try and press you on that. Um, the camaraderie was different at Liverpool because I found Liverpool's. Um, Banter, a bit biting, a bit, yeah, a bit snide, a bit slightly bullying. Was there a bit of that there? Did yeah, I think that? there was actually. There's a couple of players who I'd say were borderline bullying a little mm. bit. Some of the players. Luckily, um, I can give as good as a take, and um, I'll give as good as a talk, basically. Yeah. But there's a couple of players. I mean, um, there were big names as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think Nigel, Nigel Clough, in my opinion, was a bullied a little bit there. I, I thought. Yeah. I won't name names who who gave him a stick, but as a, as a footballer, you, you just give it back. Unfortunately, Nigel was a different personality. He was very quiet and reserved, and he just took it. But for me, he should have maybe given a bit, bit more back. But uh, that's, that's football. It's a bit of a... And that's a funny thing, because I often get asked and what it's like being a footballer, being in a dressing room, and you find some of the things, some of the stories that Mark tells in this book, mm. that it's kind of not always how you think. It's not all brothers in arms together all the time. You have to remember... We're together and we're teammates and all that sort of stuff, but I also want your job. Absolutely, yeah. And it's a very, very strange dynamic. And mm. it's got a good stories in there about that sort of thing. And yeah. The Liverpool thing, it kind of comes through that there was more than just the football as well in the background there. That, that was a difficulty. Yeah, it was difficult. I mean, I'm, I remember incidents in, um, just before a game. I think someone threw some water on a chair accidentally. I won't name names. <laughs> and um, the person came in, saw the water and... You know, we've got a game three hours later and we've, there's three or four guys fighting on, in, in the middle of the pre-season table, uh, uh, f f just for a pre-match uh, table, as yeah, it were. Yeah, the physio table, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we're fighting and we've got a game three hours later. So those are things that happened and uh, it, was, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. And maybe that's one of the reasons why we didn't achieve as much as we should have. It's better had kind of gone yeah, a, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the, the chronology. You missed Sunus had gone by then, or was he there for a short time? Did he take you back down there to uh, Liverpool? Yes, yeah, Sunus took me to Liverpool. But yeah. he wasn't there long. Um, he was there up until about um, a Bristol season, so a couple of seasons at least. Yeah. A couple of seasons at least, yeah. But he found out. But he really liked you. What do you think it was about you and Graham that kind of hit it off? I don't know really. I mean, I was I was very respectful. That's the way I've been brought up, and um, you know, 
to say he can be abrasive is an understatement, you know. So a lot of people he wrote, but I, I knew he was the boss, and if he said jump, I'd say how, how high kind of thing. And maybe that's why he liked, maybe because I was, uh, I call them low-maintenance players. I just mm -hmm. got on with my job. If, if I got dropped, I'd make sure I'd train harder mm -hmm. in the next day, and maybe that was it. Whereas when we went to Liverpool, for instance, there's a lot of world-class players in there, and if they got dropped, for instance, they'd, they'd want to leave the club. Yeah. Maybe that was it. Yeah, the other, I suppose the other thing is, he gave you more of a free role at Rangers, didn't he? Yeah. Because you, 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 you come in, I mean, the, the players that were at Rangers at the time, I mean, players that I admired, and by the way, I, I shared this again, a num number of things we shared together. I was trying to get in the Scotland team when David Cooper was around. That's not easy. Coops is some player. Oh, and he was, time. maybe he was coming near the end of his career when yeah. you came in as well. Yeah. But there was Coops and there was Tri Tricky Trev. Trevor Stephen was yeah. there. Yeah. Um, uh, Heistra, maybe Heistra, as well. Heistra came uh, after I signed, yeah. but yeah. Some good, good players so a lot there. Of, a lot of good players that Absolutely. were actually playing there. So he gave you a bit more freedom, not just to stand out in the wing, but to yeah. maybe just go and express yourself, score more goals, Absolutely. whatever. Yeah, roamed a bit more, played on the other side of the pitch sometimes, just popped up occasionally somewhere, and uh, uh, consequently not only enjoyed it, but scored a few goals as well, which was, which was fantastic. But yeah, had a bit of a free, freer role at, mm. uh, at Rangers as opposed the, to Liverpool. I always ask wingers this, um, because I've yet to find a winger who actually doesn't agree with this. Um, none of us actually wanted to play in the wing because <laughs> yeah. it's a pain in the neck. Because basically you can be the best form of life but see if the ball doesn't come at you. Absolutely. You're going to Absolutely. I mean, sometimes I literally only had a pass when he hit someone's knee and came out to me. You know, it was literally yeah. like that. So I'll go 10 minutes without touching the ball and that. But it, and you have to concentrate because I say if, you, if, if, if the ball comes over and, and I say the pitches weren't best and you take your leg out and the ball goes over, the, uh, over your foot, you're not going to get another touch for 10 minutes. Yeah. So it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't easy playing wide. And, and as you say, the, the forms they play now, like three up front, I mean, I'd love to play now where you play three up and the, the wide guy yeah. can go a bit more, more freedom. That'd be brilliant for me now. But that's the way it is. You just, you know, it's more of a 4-4-2. Most teams played 4-4-2. So you have to be more rigid. Yeah. The career didn't stop after Liverpool, right? So there no. was Swindon, but... Yeah. The names, I don't know if anyone's aware of the names of the other clubs, I actually had to write them down. <laughs> so, it's all can obscure. you remember them? Of course, yeah, yeah. So, what was it? It was, honest, it was Swindon then. Swindon Town, which I had a fantastic time there because it was, it was, it was a time in my career when it was more, it was like therapeutic. Mm. As in, I mean, I was going through a divorce and everything and it was just going out and it was, it was a time on the pitch where I could just relax, forget about all my troubles. And I really, really had a great time. It was a good set of lads at Swindon as well. So that was really enjoyable. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't last. And I went to Bristol again. Great set of lads again. It was really enjoyable. I was commuting now as well, driving two hours from Solihull to Bristol. So um, I, just, I just loved playing. I just loved playing. And I'd probably be still playing now if I could, if I could uh, get me football. Still play for the Rangers. <laughs> All boys <laughs> yeah. as much as you can. One of the good things about Mark in the book, he does mention, you know, he talks, he's mentioned the divorce two or three times now. And it's a thing that you do underline in the book. Football fans go and watch a game and someone's having a bad day and you go, oh, that's terrible. He gets paid X, Y, Z. But inside your head, yeah. you're going through torture sometimes. You're going through hell t hellish times. I mean, you lost a young daughter. Yeah. You know, you, there was, whereas the fans can't, generally won't know this. No, not at all. And it's a really, and it was great. This, this was good to underline this to people that, guess what? We are actually human? Absolutely, we are human, yeah. I mean, uh, unfortunately, the only, the only thing is that uh, it's quite... I think something like 80% of footballers get divorced between the age of 35 oh, yes. and 40. So it's, it's ridiculously high. 
And it's, it's, it, affects, it affects a lot of footballers, not only their mentality, but their, their finances, obviously, as well. So there's a lot, lot to go. But I, I just love playing. And for me, football was a happy place, and I could forget all my worries, enjoy it. In fact, uh, someone said to me that, uh, when I was playing that they couldn't believe the problems I was having because I was actually playing well, quite well, you know? So, uh, an said, escape to some degree. Yeah, it was an escape, so it was a fantastic time. And I, I, I didn't drink, uh, didn't smoke. So football was my only release. Okay. Um, I'm not going to let you away with that. We've only got a, mo a minute or two before we get some questions from the floor. Um, you didn't finish at Bristol. Can you yeah. remember the rest? Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I tried to, tried to be a coach at uh, Bristol, but uh, Ray Graydon at the time said, no, nah, no, nah, get me on, man. Do one. So uh, I ended up going to Willanore. <laughs> is that in there? Where? Willanore. <laughs> this is near Wolverhampton. I played for them. Yeah, Willenhall Town. Got yeah, Willenhall yeah. Town. Played for them for a while. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't train with them every week because I was coaching by now, and um, he forgot to tell me he wasn't going to play me one week, and I turned out to play, and I wasn't playing, so I wasn't really happy. Yeah. So uh, I left there, and I went to a, 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 a Dudley Town. Good boy. Dudley, Good Dudley boy. Town, yeah. So a friend <laughs> of mine was a manager, so I played there for a while as well. And um, What about... Ilkeston and Tiverdale. Yes, Ilkeston and Tiverdale played for them as well. Uh, I think it could all have been in the same season, to be honest yeah. with you. But um, as I said, uh, the, the good thing is they I didn't have to train, you see, so I could coach as well, which is what I wanted to do. Ironically, um, I remember playing in a, a charity game or, or one of those five-a-side things I played in. I think it was Eric Black. I played against uh -huh. him. And he smashed me, and I couldn't, I couldn't even play. Are you sure it was Eddie Black? Eddie yeah. Black's never kicked in. He uh, could, honestly he, couldn't he, kick his way out of paper He absolutely bag. smashed me. <laughs> smashed me, and I couldn't, I couldn't uh, uh, coach at the weekend. So I had to make a decision. I think I was getting up to 40 years of age as well. Oh, no, sir. Can we go rewind back? Not Eric Black. Kenny Black. Kenny Black, yes. sorry. So sorry, I knew you're it right. was Eric Black. No sorry. way it was yeah, Eddie Black. Yeah, you're right. Big importance. <laughs> Figure uh, you're right. It was Kenny Black, yeah. and uh, he that makes me. more sense. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, Kenny Black. Yeah. Kenny Black. It was. You're right. And yeah. he smashed me. So I had to make a decision. Really, do I keep playing and uh, risk not being able to coach, which is what happened yeah. for a couple of weeks, or knock it on the head? So it wasn't really worth my while playing anymore. So I was at what 40, age were you then? I was f just over forty. Just so, over forty. Uh, and I, the reason why I ask him those last few questions is uh, underlines the most important thing: his absolute love of football. You don't play until forty. And you don't play with Elkiston and Tiverdale because <laughs> you want to go and become famous and a multi-millionaire and anything other than you love football. Love it can be the only reason. Okay. Um, I could go on for quite a while and we could chat forever, and we will probably later. Uh, however, it would be nice to give you an opportunity uh, to get some questions. So, um, oddly enough, you can see us well, but it's actually hard for us to see you because of these lights. Um, if you've got your hand up, if you've got anybody a question about anything, if you don't, don't worry, I've got plenty more. There's uh, one question over here. Thanks. Um, you talk about, obviously, being a black player and, and, and the racism. That's 30 years ago. It hasn't gone away. What would, mm. you, what would your advice be to someone like Raheem Sterling to deal with the kind of stuff that black players, particularly in England, are facing up to now? I, I would advise him to just keep playing. I mean, I know there's, there's talk about coming off the pitch, and I, I just wouldn't do that. So I think if you come off the pitch, and I think they've won. So you stay on the pitch, play as well as you can, and, that, and score a goal or create a goal, and that will shut them up. Because um, 
it, it is about education anyway, so a lot of these uh, supporters don't realise how um, hurtful they are to some of these players. So some players can take it, like myself, but there's a lot who can't. So my advice to any is just to keep playing and just got, get through it. You've got to get through it. There's no way you should, you should stop playing, particularly if you love playing football. Anyone else? There's uh, another question just behind you, and we'll come around here after that. Yeah, just um, sticking on the um, uh, racism issue, and, and you mentioned um, black players, um, but I think there's also the issue in Scotland of um, anti-Irish racism, and also, um, more recently, um, anti-Eastern European racism. Uh, there was the, um, you know, the, the, the incident with uh, the Hearts goalkeeper, and famously there was the song about Rudy Scatchell that um, your yeah. fans used to sing. Um, what do you think um, uh, should be done in relation to that? Because I think that's something that people often uh, forget about. Mm. Well, um, for me, it's zero tolerance. I mean, if people are doing that and uh, supporters are next to them, they should bring it up and maybe, maybe show it to a steward and make him do something about it because... It's not, the right, it's not the place to be, do it. If you want to do it, do it in your own house or something. I mean, I know players uh, or supporters pay their money and they should be able to sh show what they want. But there's, there's a limit. I mean, uh, without rules, you, you know, there's anarchy. So you, there has to be rules and a, a, and a way you behave in public. And that's not the way to behave. So that's what I believe. Can I possibly add just one little line about it? None of this is aimed at any club. Um, I've mentioned Hearts. Um, I know that certain things have happened at Hibs, the club that I support. Um, Rangers fans had done it before as well. I played against Rangers uh, for Chelsea, and we came up and played in a game. And we had a black player, Keithy Jones. Remember Keith yeah, Jones? Yeah, remember, Keithy yeah. Jones was playing for us, and he was playing a brilliant game. He was phenomenal this day, but he's playing so well that Rangers fans, a big number of them at the back in that time, 84, 85, were giving him dogs abuse. And I won't use the language, but it was get the black guy off, and they weren't saying <laughs> black guy, right? Get mm -hmm. the effing begins with D off and they were shouting and bawling it was embarrassing because mm. this was a, a game that was for the Bradford disaster um, funnily enough after about an hour I made sure our manager took him off because it was embarrassing and uh, we got our substitute come on and he got it all the way off and as our substitute came on this wee guy from Birmingham uh, they announced his name and it was Keithy Jones has been replaced by number 14 Phil Priest get the black guy back on again <laughs> 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 Which kind of leads me slightly to Graham did say that to you. It could have been worse. Yes. You could have been Mojo. <laughs> <laughs> Morris, yeah, Morris. Morris took the pressure right off me at the time. <laughs> you know, I mean, we used to have a laugh about it. And I think uh, he was telling me a few of his stories. I was telling him a few of his stories. And I, I did say to him, Morris, I'm so glad you're here. You took the pressure right <laughs> off me. He was but an uh, extraordinary person. You think what he has done. Yeah culturally in Scotland. I mean, mm. still hated by many, yeah. but there's yeah. many people who think, wow, he changed a lot. Absolutely. And, and I don't think he meant to for, well, I don't know how, why he did it, but there's a, a bit of devilment about yeah. Mo. I ended up playing with him at Evan as well. Mm. But did you go on with Mo okay? Did I, I got on with Mo fantastically. I mean, he was a, a, he was a good player, first oh, and foremost. I mean, one of the best finishes I've ever played with. Mm. Good player. Um, you know, he, he wasn't perfect he, off the field and so forth and with, with things and that. And uh, I always remember, uh, I think we were on a Christmas party and um, we'd all been out till 3, 4 in the morning and we were training the next day at 10 a.m., I think it was, and we were all dragging around, we were all like this, really tired, trying to get through. And then we had some shuttle runs at the end and Morris was, <laughs> he was beating everybody by machine. And I was like, 
what's he been doing that we haven't been doing? You know what I mean? Well, he was drinking more than exactly, you. Exactly, exactly. So he was, he was a good pro. He worked yeah. hard, and, and um, that's all you can ask for of a, 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 mm. a colleague. So, so and the thing is, none of the, I don't think it's aimed at any club. We mentioned, as I say, hearts. We mentioned whatever. Look, we all had it. Mm. You put your hand up, you know, first person you throw a stone, etc. Anyway, any more questions? Another question over here, if we could bring the... Hi, Mark. Um, Hi. I was just to ask, um, obviously, when you, when you came to Scotland, you, you experienced a lot of, um, you know, um, racism from these Neanderthals. Um, and obviously, um, with yourself, uh, in, in the book, you talk about, about um, your relationship or lack thereof with your father. Um, yeah. And a, a lot of men, um, or young men in that scenario, might have relied on their um, bond with their father mm. um, to kind of lean, lean on. Sorry, um, lean on in that scenario. Um, and I'm wondering if um, in that time you maybe you perhaps leaned on your teammates and the likes of Walter and Sunis uh, to, to help you with that. And, and, and also to ask you if maybe if you really feel that they could empathise with you being white men, you, you know, as it, from yourself, as you were going through, the person going through the abuse and them as white men in Scotland, could they really empathise with you as a black man going through that kind of abuse. Um, and also, sorry, sorry. I suppose that's just a second part to my question. Um, in 2019, do you feel that the coin throwers have maybe just went online? Yeah, good point. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe they've gone online now and they're kind of behind the uh, computer, if you like. So that's a possibility. I mean, with the, um, yeah, you know, with some of our, if you inverted commas, leaders making, you know, rhetoric as in it's, it's okay to say, you know, go back home and all this kind of stuff, what people like Trump are doing. And I'm, I'm, I know, I'm in London a lot, and I remember the signs coming back, um, you know, if you're an illegal immigrant, go home. So a lot of people taking these, you know, they don't realise the difference between a migrant or, or a refugee. They put them all in the same category, they don't realise the big difference. So that's, that's a good possible possibility. Uh, on Sunis, I mean, can he empathise with what I was going through? Probably not, obviously, he's, not, he's, he's never been through that, although he's been booed a lot while he's been playing, that's for sure. <laughs> but um, I, my role models I had, I mean, obviously I didn't have my father, but I had, I had my mother's brother, my uncle Rupert, he was a big role model for me. He, he in fact, helped my mother get, a, get a, um, a passport, funny enough, because I wouldn't say she weren't bothered about getting a passport, but she obviously, she, she was Jamaican and she loved her, her roots and so forth. But he insisted getting a, a passport. He actually paid for a passport for her. And he was very instrumental in helping my family get stuff. And he lived in London, but he'd come up to Birmingham. And, you know, it, we used to love seeing him because it was like Christmas Day. He'd buy us presents. And, you know, it was like, as I say, he was a, the, the father I didn't have, if you like. Although he's my uncle, he's a father I didn't have. So he was my role model in, in life. And, um, in fact, I, I do mention him in the book. I think I dedicate the book to him because... Uh, God rest his soul, he was influential in my life and helped me and my, f my brothers and sisters uh, get on in life. So, yeah, you always need a role model. And if you can't get it from your father, you need to look at somebody else you admire. I mean, uh, I'm not going to lie. There's players or people in my life that I knew I didn't want to be like, if you know what I mean. I knew I didn't want to be, you know, father to six kids who I didn't see. I knew I, I just lots of things I knew I didn't want to be like. So even the negative ones can help in a, little, in a, in a different way. The one thing I would say about Walter, I worked under Walter quite a bit, vastly underestimated human being. What an intelligent man. Mm. What a super yeah. intelligent man. Good man. Mm. Uh, any other questions? I've got one right here. We'll get back up to it. 
I heard it reported that one of the reasons that we all loved you at Rangers and one of the reasons that you left was so you could maybe try and further your England career. Mm. Based on the amount of caps that you got for England, I think it was one maybe against New Zealand. That's right, yeah. Um, if you, with the benefit of hindsight, knowing that you'd only maybe get one cap, would you have still left Rangers? Um, the fact is I have to agree with you and, and the, the answer is no. I wouldn't have left if I'm really honest at the time. I mean, one of the big... There's two things really. Uh, Graham Taylor was the manager of England at the time came up and saw me and he had a word with me and said, Mark, playing in Scotland isn't helping your career. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. These players who are ahead of you are because they're playing in England, etc., etc." So that's the fact. Um, another thing that happened at the time is, uh, I don't know if you remember, but it was going to be four foreign players in Scotland at the time and I would have been classed as a foreign player. Mm -hmm. So that was as well, because I didn't want to be not playing because I was English, you know what I mean? So that was another reason why I, I left. And... Uh, <laughs> With hindsight, the irony is when I did get to play for England, I was technically a Rangers player as well, as well. So that's even, even more ironic. But um, football such a short career. You have to make a decision. Yeah, I mean, I had to think. I think I had 24 hours to think about the decision I, I made. But without doubt, the fact that I was going to be classed as a, a uh, foreigner was one of the biggest decisions or one of the biggest influences on my decision. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. It's very nice of you to say that. I'll just relate that. He said he's one of the best players I've ever seen playing for Rangers, and I think a lot of you will agree with that, who actually said so. Mark playing. We've got a few more minutes. Definitely a few more questions. Is there a question up there? To the we'll move over there in a minute. Yeah. Thank you. Mark, who were the best full-backs you ever played against, both in Scotland and in England? I love um, that question. The best as in when I got no change out of them, or the best yeah. as in when both. they... Both. Both, okay. Um... I think Stuart Pearce was probably one of the best. I played for Riv England my one game I played, he was, and he was a strong player. I've seen, I've seen him get smashed himself and just get up as the if... The Basil uh, Bully one. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, and, wow. he, and just get up like nothing happened. Uh, you, you know, he'd have broke most people's legs, but he just carried on. So he was a, a fantastic fullback, uh, really good. Um, Trevor, uh, uh, Gary Stevens was a good fullback as well, very athletic. Machine. Yeah, you couldn't... You, you know, you knew that you were going to be in the game and... You knew you'd sleep well that night if you played against him because you could run all day. Uh, but, you know, I'll be honest with you, not, there weren't many easy games uh, them, them days, you know, really. So I, I, I respected every player and, and the ones you never, you, you always had a problem, problem with. So you respect all the players and hopefully you, you get one chance as well to do something to, to, to make you look good. Did you ever have the problem I had? I'd, I kept a big secret for a 19-year career. I hated it. It didn't happen very often, may I add playing someone who was smaller than me. <laughs> it was horrible, you know, because they had the same, the small, good turning circle yeah, as well. Yeah. Kenny Sanson was always the one I thought, yeah. what a good player play. he yeah, was, player. what a player he was. Player. Sad times he's going through. Yeah. We've got an, another question over here, if we, I'm good, unless, oh yeah, come on. Talk amongst <laughs> yourselves, <laughs> we're keeping <laughs> you running, aren't keeping we? Keeping it working hard. And, we, and I'll underline that the book signing through there, and Mark will be over there in the bookshop just to the left-hand side afterwards. Absolutely. Hi, Mark. Um, Hi. The question I wanted to ask was, um, you've talked a bit about um, being on the wrong end of heavy challenges a few times. Um, with the way that football's changed since your career ended, would you rather be playing now, do you think? Mm. Do you think, because would somebody of your talent have mm. more opportunity to sort of achieve even more? You're talking, well, the fact that there's more money around, that would be nice as well, yeah. <laughs> so that was one good reason why I would uh, love to play now. But the one, one of the, actually, I mean, I, I play, and I have done for nothing, 
anyway, so it's not, it wasn't even the money why I played. But what I like now is the pitches. I mean, every ground now, the pitch is decent. I mean, when I played, it was only probably three or four guaranteed pitches that were good all year round. Now, I, I, can't, I, can't, I don't think there's a bad pitch in, this, in, the, uh, in, the, in the Premier League. And even in the Championship, which I played in every professional league in England. And uh, I don't think there's a bad pitch anywhere now in it's England. It's worth so. unpacking that slightly because you talk about a good pitch. Well, it's a good pitch for everybody else, mm. but it specifically suits mm. and helps the skillful players, doesn't it? It does because you don't have to just concentrate on the, the ball, as in the pitch, because you have to watch it how it bounces. You can, you can see somebody now and, you, you know, I don't know about yourself, Pat, but controlling was one of my fortes. You feel like it was easier to control the ball than do other things. So I didn't have to concentrate on controlling the ball as much as the other things. So if you can do that, then you've got a, another split second to turn or have a shot or make a pass. So I think it would have improved, improved me definitely. But that's the way it goes, you know. Unfortunately, I was born too, uh, too late or too early, yeah. whatever it is. <laughs> it is funny. I, I would agree. I think it's a very good question. And there are certain players, and the more technical players from our time, and there weren't actually as many that many. You actually think back about it, and you look at it now. The the David Silvers of this world. I was at watching Raheem Sterling today, and players like that. I mean, Raheem Sterling. I mean, really, it's the same thing. So yes, he'd have cruised it in the modern game, in my opinion. Anyway, any other questions uh, we have up here? Well, right in the middle. That's going to make it difficult for you. Is there a player, before we get here, is there a player in the modern game who reminds you of yourself? Reminds you of yourself? Um, I can't think of any really, but um, I'd, lo I'd love to say Messi, but honestly. But I'd be kidding myself. <laughs> no, no, there's some great players around. As I say, yeah. they've got everything going from that. Pitches are great, you know. You know, they don't get any being pub landlords anymore because, yeah. of the, you know, if as long as they're sensible, they can, you know, they can retire when the money. So, uh, um, you know, they're just very fortunate. It's harder, no doubt now, to be a professional football because there's so much uh, they can pluck from anywhere in the world now. Mm. And, um, you know, it's harder to get to top level. It's harder to get to top level now. But, you know, mm. I have to say I can't think of Everybody's different. Everybody's got strengths. Every question up there? I just had a question on the racism point that you were talking about. Do you yeah. not think there is more onus on the white players to help out? Because it's one thing saying that we support you and we do everything, but if yeah. you, as you say, you crack on, you play better, you score more goals, mm. it doesn't eradicate it. Whereas if yeah. the white players, you know, Pat was saying, you know, he, he took a start, he's the Everton chat and whatnot. Yeah, they if, 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 if they... If, they took a stand with you, and ultimately you're providing entertainment for the fans. If you decided, you know what, no, we're all walking off, mm. that's what's going to force the other fans to take a... Well, on one view, it might take, force the other fans to take a side against them, because if you just play well and score, and score more goals and do more things, do you not think that that, that doesn't actually make a change? Because you've got Raheem Sterling, if he scores more goals against Chelsea as he did last year, and, and, and where that all came from... Mm. Um, does, that, does that make them stop the abuse more or less? Because if you look at someone like Danny Rose, for example, the, the message that comes from him is that, that that poor guy just wants out the game as soon as he can. It's a difficult one. I mean, I always believe you've got to start with the kids. You know, they're the one. These, you know, these kids or men weren't born like that. So if you've got to, you've got to, you've got to start it when they're young, you know, go, to, go into schools, if you like, or, and maybe change it there. But... I mean, even from a business point of view, if you get players just walking off every week, you know, we're going to have no professional football in the end. So, for me, 
I can't see helping walking off the pitch. I just can't see helping. And then maybe it's the era I'm from, and, uh, but I just don't feel the can, benefit can, is can to walk off. I'll ask a, a kind of follow-up question. I think it's a brilliant question. Um, because it was 1983-84 when I started doing I'd been a student, so I've come from that attitude anyway. But no one was talking about it then. And I felt exactly what you're saying. We should be standing up for these guys. They don't have to take this. We should and I did, and I stood up, and I proudly, and I shouted, and I bawled. And then about eight or nine years later, I had Paul in saying to me, we don't need you to stand up for us. We can do this ourselves. And I kind of felt a bit, oh, sorry. I was only trying to yeah, help. But, yeah, but Paul Lynch, Paul Lynch is a... Is a is no, a I like Paul. You know. I love him a lot. But, but you see that point. You do see that point. <laughs> you, you obviously don't know Paul Lynch. He's <laughs> <laughs> always nice and late. But, you know, but, that, but that was an interesting, different position that I was quite surprised at. But to be honest, it's quite unusual because most of the lads, I, mean, I work quite, with quite a lot of the guys, um, in a variety of anti-racism campaigns and you know, up here in Scotland, we've, we've really improved, I think, in, in certain areas, without a doubt. But mm. we've not got it right yet. Well, absolutely. But, and it's the same in England. But it's, I would ask a question. Is it football or is it just our culture? Yeah, that's a good point because um, I always believed that football reflects, yeah. ref reflects uh, what goes on in the life. Anyway, so, as I said, for me, it's always been about... Um, the kids, mm. can you educate the kids? I mean, I've never been brought up like that. You know, my, my, my background is we went to church every week and everybody, everybody's equal and yeah. you treat everybody the same. So it's just never been in my, in my life really to, mm. to treat anybody different, if, if you like. So, uh, it, you know, that's a good point. Maybe it does need some taking off, maybe don't, but particularly in, you know, in Europe where it's, yeah. it can be worse, you know, some of these, these clubs in Europe. But, it, but, you know, I think from 1980 when I started, to now, it's, it's improved. It's definitely better. And uh, that's all you can uh, um, ask. Let's not stop fighting a good fight. There's lots of different methods. There. I don't know if there is a right and wrong. Mm. Just listening to the way John Barnes talks about it, it's extraordinary. Yeah. So it's a totally different viewpoint. Anyway, mm. um, any other questions? We're going to have to wrap up quite soon because uh, I've held you five minutes longer than we're supposed to. Um, I was told it's not a hard ending tonight because there's nothing else on after this in here. <laughs> so, uh, but I don't want to keep you too long in Mark. Just lock them in, lock them in. Uh, <laughs> um, a final question up there? Was there no, any other questions before we just went down? This, there's a man here again. Yeah, wait for the mic. She's earned her money tonight. She has. Just on a later note, Mark, what mm. did it feel like winning the title with the famous Glasgow Rangers? <laughs> uh. Well, you know, as I said, I'd, I'd left Aston Villa where we were doing that to, and to actually win a, 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 a trophy with, uh, as you say, the famous Glasgow Rangers, you know, was an absolute dream come true. And um, I can honestly say there's a few uh, in the Betty Ford clinic after, <laughs> after that first game, you know what I mean? There's a few drink, drink, because it was all right to drink then, you know? But um, yeah, it was a great time. As I say, it was, a, you know, one of the highlights of my career, winning things and Fulfilling dreams, really. I mean, when you start off as a schoolboy, you want to win the you want to win the league with your, your local team, I suppose. Play for England, win the FA Cup, and w when you achieve those things, it's just a dream come true. And you know, you know regardless if it's a, a lot of money now or not, you can't take those things away. You know, you can't take those things and those memories away. And uh, you know, some of the lads I are, are, are won those things with, it's the things we can share together always, and um, you know, lifelong friends because of it. So it was a brilliant time, yeah. And hopefully. Those times are coming back for Rangers because I'm sure they're not far away now. Right. Um, <laughs> trust me, if you enjoyed that answer, 
you're really going to enjoy the last chapter in this, by the way. Because <laughs> Matt, it really does explain well why he has his love of the, that phenomenal football club. Um, and the love is, I think it's deserved because they put a lot of time, effort, um, skills into it. Uh, I enjoyed and loved watching, playing against them, but watching them was a, a joy as well. I've always watched living skill, watching skillful players. I've watched football for for not even necessarily the winning. I've got a different reason for watching football. I watch it for the aesthetic. Uh, I watch it for the artistry as well as the winning um, and the creativity. And uh, he was one of the best of the bunch. So, ladies and gentlemen, Matt Walters. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, um, just... Just uh, before we go then, uh, so the book is Winging It, the Matt Walters story. Thank you for coming tonight. Thank you for being brilliantly behaved and listening and turning the phones off, etc. Matt's going to be over there signing uh, some books in the bookshop, yeah, just across the road thanks there. Very much, yeah. um, thanks for coming. Thanks for waiting. And it's been a pleasure, as it always is. Thank you for listening. Find out more about the Book Festival at edbookfest.co.uk and keep up to date on events, booking information and more by following us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search at edbookfest. The Edinburgh International Book Festival takes place every August in Charlotte Square Gardens.